Come on down to Big Greg Chevy. You were made for something great. Hey, Victory family. Hey, everybody. Uh, hey, let's welcome all of our family at Hamilton Mill, at Midtown, online. We got people from Malaysia and Belize and Paraguay as well. Come on, let's welcome everybody today. Hey, guys, I have good news for you. You were made in the image of God. In the image of God, he created you, male and female. He created you that God put his thumbprint on you, that God put unique aspects of his nature and his creativity inside you. This is why we all love beauty and we all want to love and be loved. This is why you have unique gifts and talents and abilities that other people don't, that you are uniquely and fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are on the journey corporately of emancipating that greatness, of getting what God put in you, out of you for his glory and the world around you. Why? Because we believe that you were made for something great. That that's not just a humanistic statement. It's a, it's a value of who God created you to be, of the glory that he put in you of himself, that he didn't create you just to exist, but to live and to live life and life more abundantly through Jesus Christ. And as we move forward, listen, I am so excited about seeing what God put in you get out of you. But here's what we also acknowledge is that a seed reproduces after its own kind. And so next year, as we dive into reproducing and making disciples and impacting the world and influencing the world around us next year, this year, we're focusing on getting healthy so that when we reproduce, we reproduce healthy. Come on, somebody. And so this year, what we're focusing on is getting healthy in God. So last, uh, this, this last season, the last few weeks, we really focused on this thing called forgiveness, right? Because if you cannot understand how to forgive others and in essence, forgive God and forgive yourself, then you won't be able to move forward into the life that he has for you. And we called it quicksand. And today what we're doing, we're stepping into this next season. And here's what I would just simply say. I would say that this is the make or break thing. It all comes down to what we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks when it comes to your health, when it comes to your relationship with God, when it comes to, to being able to move forward in life. What we're gonna talk about is how to hear God speak. How to hear God speak. How many of you know, it has never been more important in our generation to be able to hear what God is saying than it is right now. We have to be people who know how to hear and discern the voice of the Lord. But let's just call it like it is. Most of us think that God doesn't talk to us, right? Because we hear pastors say things like, well, God told me the other day. And you're like, well, he talks to him. He doesn't talk to me, right? And so we think like hearing God is for the pastors, the apostles, people who have business cards with important titles on them, the spiritually elite, right? But here's the deal. A.W. Tozer, Tozer said this, the one who does not expect God to speak will discount every time that God does speak. But I got good news. We have a God who loves to speak like a lot. Like he waited a whole three verses to talk in the Bible. He said, let there be light. 
God spoke, God is still speaking. God spoke to, to Adam and Eve. God spoke to Noah. God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Moses and Joshua and David and, and the prophets. And God spoke to Joseph and Mary and Simeon and Anna there in the, in the temple as they prayed over baby Jesus. The father communed with the son in relationship. God spoke to the disciples. God spoke to um, Saul on the Damascus road road. God spoke to John when he gave him the revelation. God spoke to our spiritual ancestors throughout the generations, and God is still speaking today. God is still speaking today. And Brother Lawrence said this, Brother Lawrence in the 1600s, he wrote, Practicing the Presence. He says, there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice and experience it. And let me just tell you, family, I have not arrived at where, where I want to be or where God wants me to be, but I can agree that there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. And those who live in it can appreciate it. Everybody else can just tweet about it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the voice of God, hearing God speak will change your life. Hearing God speak throughout my life in small ways, big ways, in the multitude of ways that he speaks that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks has radically changed my life. And I want the same thing for you. I want the same thing for you. I want you to be somebody who says, I hear God speak, that God speaks to my life and he guides me. It brings me in a personal relationship with him. Changed my life. God speaks. Now, here's the deal. I know this. We tend to put dad on dad, right? This is, we sub, subconsciously do that. Maybe dad wasn't there for you, so you don't think that dad isn't there for you and dad doesn't talk. Or dad only spoke to you when he's angry, so dad only speaks to you when he's angry. Here's what we have to understand, guys. Yes, sometimes God speaks to us to correct us when we need it, but overwhelmingly, God speaks encouragement and affirmation and direction and guidance. Come on, God smiles when he thinks about you. This is the promises of scripture that God rejoices over you with shouts of joy. In fact, I'd say this is that God's voice isn't something to retreat from, but something to run toward. And listen, if we're ever going to have a personal relationship with God, if we're ever actually going to have intimacy with Jesus, if we're ever going to be able to make it in the world full of lies by staying in the truth, if we're ever actually going to know the right way forward, then we have to know how to hear and discern the voice of the Lord. And so what we're diving into over the next few weeks is the fact that God has spoken and God still speaks and how to hear and discern his voice as he's speaking. Here's the first thing we have to wrap our minds around today is this, is that we were made to hear God's voice. Come on, somebody say amen. We were made to hear God's voice. God is relationship. The Trinity is relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. That God himself is relationship. Don't try and understand it, just accept it. It's too big for us. God is relationship. Now here's the beautiful thing. You were made in God's image. So here's what that means, is that bigger than the gifts that you have, that he gave you, bigger than the fact that you were created higher than the animals of the earth, being made in God's image means that you and I are hardwired with the ability to have relationship with God. 
Sin has corrupted that and broken that, but thank God he made a way for it. But every relationship is built on one thing. What is it? Communication. Come on, married people. Communication. Now, if you're single, then, hey, maybe you're not that great at communication. (laughs) But what is communication? It's speaking to God and listening to God. Here's what Jesus says. Listen to Jesus's words, John 10. He says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Guess who's the shepherd in this story? All right, spoiler alert, Jesus. Come on, guys. (laughs) The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Do you realize this? Do you realize that Jesus knows your name? Come on, if you're born again, Jesus knows your name. You ever introduce yourself to somebody like 15 times and they're like, hey, guy, there you are. Jesus isn't like, hey, you person. No, like he knows your name. Jesus knows your name. How amazing is that? And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. Everybody say stranger. They will, never follow, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And then Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. All right, so here's the deal. Middle Eastern shepherds didn't have border collies, all right? They didn't, they didn't stand to the back of the herd and like drive them forward. No, what they did, they actually went in front of the herd and they had a specific call that those sheep knew. It's like, ah, like they'll literally do crazy things like that, right? And the sheep know their shepherd's voice and they'll follow their shepherd forward. He doesn't drive them forward. He calls them forward and his sheep follow him. And in fact, you can go online like this afternoon. Don't do it right now because you're in search. But you can go online later and you can actually find um, videos of modern day shepherds doing just this in rural remote areas of the world. And what will happen is two shepherds will like come together with their entire herds, right? Their their entire flocks of sheep, right? They're going to come together and just have a conversation and their whole flocks merge together. And the first time I watched this, I'm like, no, what are you doing? You're going to lose your whole flock, man. And so they have this conversation. And then what happens is when they're done, they start walking in opposite directions. And then they go, ah! And the sheep just, and the sheep, the flocks divide back out again. Why? Because sheep know the voice of their shepherd and they won't follow the voice of a stranger. In fact, Jesus knows the danger of following the voice of a stranger. Because Jesus saw what happened in Genesis 3. Come on, guys. When the serpent, a stranger, slithered into the Garden of Eden. And what did the serpent do? The serpent slithers right up next to Eve. And what does he say? Did God really say? Right? Did God God really? Come on. The enemy has no new tricks because the old tricks still work. Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden. And you know what Eve does? Eve has a conversation with the devil. Note to self, don't have conversations with the devil. (laughs) What are we supposed to do with the devil? Submit to God, resist the devil, and the, the, the devil will flee from you. 
right? Leave the conversations with the devil to Jesus, all right? Let him do that. You submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. But today, your enemy is still using the same tactics. He's saying, did God really say? Because if he can get you questioning the truth, then you'll fall for anything. Did God really say? And you better know the truth. You better know the truth when he comes knocking. And here's what Jesus says. Again, listen to Jesus's words, Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation. Everybody say foundation foundation on the rock. The only way we're going to have victory in this life is if our life, our house is built on the solid rock of Jesus's words instead of the shifting sand of people's opinions. That's the only way we're going to make it, guys. That is it. In fact, the apostle Paul, he, he goes kind of a step further. Here's what he says, his words, Ephesians 4. Then when we're mature in the faith, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Wow, pause. Think about this. What he says, in the world, there are winds of teaching. In other words, here's one, there's one, here's one, there's one. And he also says that there is cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. In other words, in the Bible, what it says is there are godless agendas in this world and you better be careful. You better be careful because if your life is not built on the rock of the word of God, you will be tossed back and forth by the waves. And listen, guys, as a pastor, this breaks my heart because I see this. I see this deceitful scheming. I see the voice of strangers everywhere. And I see countless Christians buying into the voice of strangers. And we're, we're falling for it. Listen, if, if you tune into CNN, let's just make it real. CNN will tell you that people who don't wear masks are stupid. Then you go over to Fox News. And Fox News tells you that people who do wear masks are stupid. And what I, the problem isn't that they're saying it. The problem is that we're buying it. The problem is that Christians are buying it hook, line, and sinker, and then weaponizing the voice of strangers against one another. We're falling for the voice of strangers. We're falling for godless agendas. And it's bringing division inside the body of Christ. And we're seeing even the elect get deceived and fall away because they're being blown back and forth by every wind of teaching. Because our house, our life is not built on the solid rock. And so social media tells us one thing. And then politics, listen, poli I'm just gonna go there, all right? Politics tells us that we should embrace something like the Equality Act, right? Because it's equality. Who's not for equality? Do you not even know that the, 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 the devil masquerades as an angel of light? Just because something sounds good doesn't mean it is good. And we don't understand. There is, there is a better way. Listen, as, as a pastor, I believe in loving our neighbors. Do not misquote me. But here's what we need to understand. Just because a politician said it doesn't mean it's right. Come on, somebody. That better get an amen. That there's a better way. And listen, we don't understand is that if, if this thing gets passed, the Equality Act gets passed, it will destroy Christian colleges. 
it will destroy, destroy Christian businesses. And listen, take this snapshot right now. Record me right now. If the Equality Act gets passed in a handful of years, they'll go after the church. I promise you, it's going to happen. The problem isn't that the world's trying to do it. The problem is the people of God are buying it. We're grabbing a hold of it. We're, we're allowing the voice of strangers to come in and override the voice of God, which is our only solid rock. Listen, social media says that you're, you're a bigot if you don't want people who are born boys playing girl sports. The problem isn't that the world's saying it. The problem is that the church is buying it. Listen, you live in a world that says that you're homophobic. I just read this on CNN this morning. The world says that you're homophobic if you don't like sign off on three men. This is literally front page of CNN. Three men who aren't married, not that that would change it, but thruple. They're a thruple. We're coming up with new words. They're a thruple who, who paid a woman to be a surrogate mother to birth a child, and then they went to court to have all three of their names added to the birth certificate. That's the world that we live in. And the, listen, the world's gonna be the world. The world's gonna sin. The world's gonna do what they, whatever they're gonna do. But listen, the problem is when the church buys it. The problem is when the church starts caving to it and bending to it. And what's happened is we've affirmed dysfunction instead of healing it. And what we've said is, well, I guess that's your truth, man. That, how many of you have heard the dumbest... Try and use that in your math class. Well, teacher, this is just my truth. Two plus two equals eight. Are you a bigot? Are you a bigot? Because that's my truth. Or could it just be that there are some things that are true, that there is such a thing as absolute truth? And I know you live in a world that says that there isn't. The, the world's going to do what the world's going to do. The problem is when the church buys it. That's the problem. The problem is when we take our house off of the rock and build it on shifting sand, right? And what's happened is society has gotten crooked. It's like the, you're driving a car and the wheels get out of alignment. And instead of fixing the wheels, now we just build curved roads, right? Because instead of actually fixing something or healing something, we've affirmed it. We haven't tried to call things back into correction. We just said, well, everybody's right. Everybody's right. Everybody has their own truth. No, there is the truth, and then there's lies. Listen, and if you don't build your life on that, that explains why your life is being tossed back and forth, and you don't know which way is up and which way is down, and you're like, I don't know, is it, did God really say, right? Because the enemy doesn't have new tricks. He's been using this one since Genesis 3, guys. Did God really say? And if you don't know what God said, look out. Because we're listening to our emotions. We're listening to social media. We're listening to the political left. We're listening to the political right. We're listening to our teachers at school. We're listening to our friends. We're listening to our parents. We're listening to the spirit of the age. But when are we listening to God? Come on, when, how much of our life is built on the solid rock of the unchanging word of God? I got another email this week, <laughs> another one. Of, of somebody else leaving the church because we require masks during this season to attend. Another one, right? Here's my question. It's not, it's not to you because you don't go here anymore. <laughs> but, all right. <laughs> I love you. Listen, I love you. It's fine. We'll be okay. I pray you'll be okay too. Here's my question. Who told you to leave the church? What voice told you to leave the church? 
Because if God told you to leave the church, I bless you. I bless you. I want God's best for you regardless. But listen, if God told you to go, go. I believe that the Lord plants and transplants. I believe that. Did God tell you to go or did your emotions tell you to go? Did Fox News tell you to go? Did your friends tell you to go? Because I remember, I remember when you grabbed me in the lobby and you said that God told you to come. So did God tell you to go? Because of masks? Can we just say it? Nobody likes wearing masks. You understand that people are being martyred in, around the world and we're leaving churches over masks? What's wrong with us? What voice are we listening to? You've heard me tell the story before. In, in 2003, uh, all of our friends left Victory, like all of them, <laughs> like all of them, all of them. This is before we were on staff. And um, they all had their own reasons, but primarily it was race. It really was because um, they're all white. And uh, nobody would ever say this, but white people are not used to having their children grow up in majority minority environments. And so basically said, I don't, I can find a church where little Billy won't have to grow up around a lot of minority kids. And um, everything inside us wanted to go with them. Not because of the race stuff, but because of friendship. Like, oh, my friends are going, like, we want to go too. And there are plenty of churches you can go to that don't bother white parents. But what, it ha what happened was Summer and I sat down, this is early on in our marriage, and we had by far the most difficult conversation we'd ever had in our entire lives. And what it came down to was this, is that God didn't tell us to go. God called us here, but God didn't tell us to leave. So I guess we're staying. Best decision of our lives. Listen, guys, there are a thousand voices in this world. You better look out. Because here's how I'd say it. If you aren't listening to God's voice, you will listen to a voice. And if you're in a season of not really hearing God speak, you better be careful. Because Dr. Phil's talking. And Oprah's talking and Tony Robbins is talking. Social media is talking. The left is talking. The right is talking. Come on, your friends are talking. Your parents are talking. The world's talking. Culture's talking. And if they're talking, 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 and you're listening, 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 then you will be tossed back and forth. You will be tossed to and fro by the wind of teaching and by the deceitful scheming of people who have godless agendas. And let me just say this, guys. Let me just say this as a pastor. I am tired. I am tired of this petty strife over masks. As the people of God, as the people of God who are on mission to go and make disciples of the nations and we're fighting about masks. I'm tired of the petty. I'm tired of Christian nationalism. I'm tired of Christians buying into conspiracy theories. I am tired of, of the prejudice and racism in the house of God. I'm tired of seeing Friends and compatriots in the kingdom fall for the voice of strangers and follow a false shepherd out into the wilderness 
Because there is one who comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he wants to ruin us and the church of God. But there is good news because there is one who comes to give life and life more abundantly. And as the pastor of this church, I urge you to flee the voice of the enemy and to run to the voice of truth. We have this privilege. Listen, Hebrews 4.16, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God because there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. When we are born again by the blood of Jesus Christ and brought into the kingdom of God as children of God, the veil has been torn off of our life. We now have free access to the throne room of God and he is not far away God. He is Abba Daddy. As a little child can crawl up in his father's lap, we get that opportunity with God. So go to God, embrace his truth, flee the lies of the enemy, hear his voice, build your life on his words, because that is what we were made to do. We were made to hear his voice. We were made to follow. So what do we got to do? What do we got to do? We have to understand that we were made to hear his voice. The second thing is we learn to hear his voice. So listen, just, uh, here's what I want to do. I want to remove some condemnation off of some of you right now because, because when we hear, hey, heaven is opened up to us, some of us say, well like, well, like, I don't hear God speak, so I must not be saved. I must not be a sheep, right? Here's the deal. Heaven is open to you. You have the greatest opportunity ever. But just because you have it doesn't mean you're seizing it, okay? We have the, the skill to hear God's voice is learned and it's matured over time. Even just take one scripture right here, okay? One scripture, Psalm 46. God says, be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And we're gonna touch about how to hear God a little bit every single week. You know, what are, what are some of the approaches to it? But, so I'm not gonna go too in depth here, but here, here's, the, here's the question, okay? What, what is God saying here? He says, be still and know that I am God. What is God implying? He's implying that many of us do not live lives that include stillness. And could it be that that's why we're not hearing from God? Because you can hear culture on the run, but you cannot hear God on the run. And too many of us, you check your screen time on your phone, too many of us give hours and hours and hours and hours and days and days every single week to culture. And we give minutes on a Sunday morning to God. And then we complain that we can't hear God speak because we're not creating space. Let me, let me ask you this question. What do you do in the natural if you're not getting enough bars on your phone? You gotta move, right? Right? Here's how I'd say it. I have to reposition so I can get better reception. Right? Because in my last house, um, it was terrible. There was like a dead spot over my house. I was like, oh, man, I'm like missing all the calls and everything right there. And I believe that the Lord's saying this. A lot of our lifestyles have created dead spots over our life where we can't hear from God. Because here's what, here's what many of us do. We wake up five minutes before we're supposed to leave for work. Or run around like Tasmanian devil. And, and then we run out the door and we get in our car and we listen to God knows what on the way to work. God helps some of us. And then we get to work and we work the entire time without taking a breath, right? And then we road rage all the way home. And then we eat dinner while we're watching the TV. And then we spend the last three hours of our day, you know, just scrolling social media. Or if you're single, maybe you're swiping for a few hours before you go to bed, right? But then we complain that we don't hear God speak. 
But could it be that we've never been still? So here's the question. What needs to change in my life so I can better position myself? I can't force God to speak, but I do believe that God is speaking even though we're not listening. What do I need to do to position myself to hear God when he does speak? Because we were made to hear the voice of the Lord. We learned to hear the voice of the Lord. And here's the third thing. We hear God's voice in the Bible. Guys, we've lost our love for this. And that explains many of our problems. The most wonderful thing in the world is that God spoke and people wrote it down. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God breathed. That word for God breathed in the Greek is theonoustos, means God and breath. All scripture is God breathed. And what is it useful for? It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you feel like you're not thoroughly equipped, I know what the problem is. We got to get this in us. How can it get out of us if it doesn't get in us? And here's the beautiful thing, guys. This isn't a collection of man sayings. This isn't a history book. This is 31,000 verses, 66 books by over 40 authors over a thousand years with one message. God's pursuit of humanity. (laughs) And we have it in our hands. But too many of us have this fatal thing called DBS. Dusty Bible syndrome. It affects over 50 million Bibles annually. It's a tragedy. (laughs) This is the logos. This is the written word of God. Epi Meyer said this. I love this. This is so strong. He said, the written word is the wire along which the voice of God will certainly come to you if the heart is hushed and the attention is fixed. And this is where we start if we want to hear God speak. This is the Genesis. This is the beginning. This is the primary way that God speaks to us today. Right here, it's not the only way because in the weeks ahead, listen, we're gonna talk about uh, hearing God in prayer. We're gonna talk about hearing God in prophecy. We're gonna talk about hearing God in dreams and visions. We're gonna talk about hearing God in sermons. We're gonna talk about hearing God in a lot of different ways. But listen, we have to start with the logos. We start with the written word. We start with the Bible because listen to me very carefully. God will never contradict this. If it contradicts this, it's the voice of a stranger. And I listen to way, I've heard way too many stories. Oh man, I went, went and saw this prophet. And he told me to divorce my wife. I don't know, she hadn't done anything wrong, but I did it because guess God said it. Is it written? Because my Bible says God hates divorce. And if a prophet dares ever contradict this, let him be cut off. Listen, if a dream ever, ever sends you in the wrong direction, if, if in a prayer time you hear a voice and it contradicts this, it's the voice of a stranger. Run away. Listen, if I ever preach anything other than Christ crucified, stranger talk, stranger talk, stranger danger. When the devil was tempting Jesus in the wilderness, did God really say, did God really say, did God really say, what does Jesus say every single time? He says, it is written because you will not win God's war without God's word. 
And I promise you, the devil knows the Bible way better than you do. So you better know the truth. But this is our weapon, guys. The way you're gonna win in life, the way you're gonna be able to stand against the lies of the enemy, the way that you're actually gonna receive living guidance and direction on a regular basis, the way you're gonna know the way forward is by the word of God. Because what I do, I take my dreams and my passions and my, my goals, what, what I believe that God is telling me to do, and I hold it up to this and I say, is it written? Am I going in the direction that God has for this world? What God has already said, does my life line up with that? Is it written? And this is not some dull, outdated book that's completely irrelevant. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God, the logos, the word of God, the logos is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. You ever been listening to a sermon and you're like, ouch, yeah. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. In other words, this isn't just something that I read. This is something that reads me. This is something that changes me. And if we're not careful too often, here's how I'd say it, too often we read the Bible. We don't read the Bible to listen to God. We read the Bible to learn more information. We read the Bible to memorize it instead of actually be changed by it. There's nothing wrong with memorizing the Bible. Memorize it, store it up, get it on the inside of you, but you have to let it into you. Because here's what we do too many times. We're like, oh, I saw, I saw a good pastor. He posted a verse. Here's my Instagram post for the day. But what we're actually meant to do is, And way too many of us are posting scriptures, but we're not being spoken to by the scriptures. And we've got way too many pastors falling in pulpits, right? Because they're dying of hunger when they're feeding everybody else. Because they don't eat for themselves. We have the greatest gift right here. We have the greatest gift right here, right? And the problem is this, listen, this isn't a surprise to anybody, but I came across this, this survey this last week. It says in last year, in 2020, 35% of adults in America didn't even touch the Bible. 35%, okay. 60% of adults, which includes people who say they go to church, 60% of, of adults said that they read the Bible five times or less in the year. So what that's doing, it's creating the societal shift away from the ways of God, okay? That's not surprising to any of us. Okay, but we have to acknowledge it so we don't follow it. Because just because society's doing it doesn't mean it's right. Because now we have people saying like, God's for this and God's for that. And they're taking the name of God. And they've clearly never read this because God doesn't love that. And God's not for that. And we have a whole lot of people speaking for God and it's strangers. Guys, this is our gift. This is our, this is our solid rock. This is what keeps us grounded. And so what I want to do, what I want to do, okay, for the, the few minutes that we have remaining is I want to quickly um, teach us how to study the Bible. I want to quickly. So some of you already have a way. I'm not trying to change that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But here's what I know. A lot of us say, well, like I have my way. I study the Bible once a quarter. And uh, when I became a Christian at 14, I wanted to study the Bible. I knew I should study the Bible, but I would open it up and then be like, I know <laughs> right? Any of y'all kind of have that approach or like, uh, 
that, right? What am I supposed to do with that? Like, I don't know, right? And so you just kind of get discouraged after a while. So what I want to do, I want to give you something that is super simple. It'll take you 10 minutes to do it or more, but 10 minutes, okay? You can start with 10 minutes, okay? And it's a, it's a method called SOAP, SOAP. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to run you through it really quickly, and then we're going to demonstrate it, and I'll go into a little bit more depth, okay? So SOAP, here it is. This is a screenshot off of my phone, all right? Because I actually write this down on my phone. So scripture, uh, what we're saying is, what is the section God highlighted to me today while I was reading? Observation, okay? Why did that scripture resonate with me today? And also, what is, what is the author saying? Like, what's the big idea? What's the eternal truth of God in this? Application. So God said it back then. What is God saying today about it? What, what, what's God saying to me about it? And what's gonna change inside of me? And then prayer. And we just say, God, thank you for this. Help me to do whatever you just revealed in there. Soap, S-O-A-P. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're gonna demonstrate right now how to do soap. All right, and so we're gonna have some people come out at all of our campuses. So here in Norcross, go ahead and come out. We got some people down in Hamilton Mill, uh, or up in Hamilton Mill. We got some people down in Midtown coming out. Let's give it up for these, these two. Let's give it up in Hamilton Mill. Let's give it up in Midtown. All right, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna read Colossians 1, or a portion of Colossians 1, and we're gonna do soap for it, and then you're gonna read it aloud. No pressure. There's a few people watching, okay. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna read, you, in fact, you guys, you guys, if you have it, Colossians 1, we're gonna read verse nine through 14. I'm gonna read out of the NLT. A lot of people ask, what's the best version of the Bible? Um, I believe the best version of the Bible is the one you read, all right? So if you don't understand it, you might need to change it, all right? So, verse nine. We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. All right, soap and go. All right, so while they're doing that, Okay, what they're doing is they're walking through SOAP, again, which is scripture, observation, application, prayer. Let me just give you a few little thoughts on how I do this. It may be helpful to you, okay? So when I open up the Bible, I never just kind of like open it up. I always pray and I say, God, here I am, speak. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens if we're not careful is that we'll, um, we'll live off of yesterday's bread, does that make sense? This is our daily bread. And uh, you, ever, you ever bought day-old bread? There's a reason it's on sale. Not as good. And a lot of us, we try and live on what God said yesterday. And we don't understand that God is speaking today and then tomorrow and then the next day. And so what I want to do, I say, God, I'm here. Give me ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying because I believe that these are living words. And so I invite you, come and speak to me as I dive into this. And then scripture, observation, application, prayer. So scripture, okay. Scripture, scripture, scripture. So what they're gonna do out of those six verses, they're gonna pick one verse, they're gonna pick two verses. What you may do is you can read a whole chapter. Usually I'll read a whole chapter so I have some context, okay. You might read two chapters, but out of that one verse or two verses or maybe a theme is 
gonna emerge that kind of resonates with you. Okay, so grab that. Now, observation, that's scripture, scripture observation. Observation, um, why did that scripture jump out to me? This is a good spot to talk about the difference between exegesis and eisegesis, okay? No, those are two really big theological words. Um, exegesis is getting out of the text the truth that God put in it. Eisegesis is me putting in the text what I want it to say, all right? This is the problem with Bible roulette. You know Bible roulette, right? And that. That's how a lot of us read the Bible, right? We're like, and this one today. For I will give rest to the people of Israel. I've never been to Israel. <laughs> right? Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you get lucky, right? But what happens, 30, 31,000 verses in the Bible. And what happens is when we just cherry pick one, we end up taking it out of context and we do what's called eisegesis. I make it say what I want it to say. Instead of actually asking the like how, when, why, where, like, like who is the original author writing to? What was the original truth? Why are they writing? What's, what's happening in the world? Sometimes it, it, that's why it's helpful to get what's called a, like a commentary or something like a new life uh, application sort of a Bible, which kind of has some descriptions down at the bottom of a little of the things that are going on inside the text. So scripture observation, then application. So I'm, I've, I've, I've uh, read a chapter. I've got like a verse. I, 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 okay, here's kind of what the author's saying. Now here's the next thing. What am I supposed to do with that? This is what I ask my kids all the time when they come home from church. What did you learn? All right, Noah built an ark. Okay, why does that matter? Uh, right? This is where we mess up when we read the Bible. We never actually ask the question of why. Why does it matter? Okay, God said it back then, but what is God saying to me right now through it? And I don't just want information because knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, Right? So I, I, want, I, don't, I want the information, but I also want transformation through this. What is God saying to me today? And then I'm gonna make a goal off of that. What needs to change in my life? Am I being or my doing or my thinking based on the word that I just read? And what you'll see is, is here in, in the campuses is they're probably on their phones. This is what I do. So when I'm, when I'm doing it, I actually pull out my phone. I'll start a note tab and I title every single one like it's a little mini sermon. And uh, uh, then I write the, the scripture, observation, application, prayer right there. Because what I can do is I can go back to it and I can read it later. Because I, I love being able to see how God spoke in my past. And so as, as I'm writing these things down, specifically here in Colossians 1, what, I, what I'm saying is, did I focus on this or this or this or this? And what I can do, I can do it alone. We can do this in a small group. We can share it or we can, we can just do it between us and the Lord. And here's, here's why I say all this is because it is absolutely crucial. Listen, it is absolutely crucial that we have to learn how to feed ourselves. I believe in the power of corporately receiving a sermon. I do, obviously, right now, it's happening. But we can't rely on other people's quiet times. We have to start having our own. Because you cannot rely on my life being built on the rock. Jesus says, if you build your life on the rock, if you listen to his words and then you do them, your life will not fall. Your life will not fall. And so we have to make it a discipline to get the word in us, to allow it to transform us. And so here's the deal. We're going to go back. All right. We're going to go back and we're going to hear what these two here said. And so you're going to hear uh, as well at the campuses. So let's go ahead and break away at Hamilton Mill. Let's break away at Midtown. And so everybody here, let's give it up for Hamilton Mill and Midtown. 
as they continue on that. I pray that soap is a blessing to you. All right. And so we're going to come over here live, unrehearsed, and you just had soap. All right. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us what you do around here. These are two staff. All right. Well, I'm Lizette Mendoza, or Liz. A lot of people know me as. Um, I am with our online campus. I'm the admin. So it's been really exciting just to see all that. Yeah. And everything. So tell us, tell us what, what did God speak to you today? Okay, well, the verse that stood out to me was verse 10. I have a two-parter. <laughs> then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. So that kind of spoke to my perfectionist in me, um, because even in my humanity, I can honor God. It takes the pressure off of me. Um, I'm still pleasing God. He honors that I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm not perfect at all, at all. And he made me not perfect. He made me that way. The second thing that really struck me, um, it's the second part of that verse. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And I need better and better. I never want to have an I've, I've arrived mindset with the Lord um, or my relationship with God. I pray that I'm always growing with him. Um, one day, whenever I reach heaven, I want to be, I want him to say, no, we grew together. She did her best to know me with everything she can. I never want to put a, a I never want to put a cap on the Lord. because I, I can never in my humanity. I can't. Um, I guess the action is I need, I need to prioritize and be really protective of my quiet times. Um, a coffee date or my appointments with him uh, makes it a little more personal. Um, I wrote down bullets because although I'm, I'm, it's easier for me to journal and to talk to him, um, I need to protect my listening to him through the word. So, yeah. mm, that's great. Yeah, for me, I... Um, hey, hey, tell us your name. Oh, I'm Earl. <laughs> I'm Earl. I'm the community transformation pastor here at uh, the Norcross campus. Um, yeah, I... Um, for me, I think it was kind of the hinge point at the start of that, um, of Colossians uh, 1.10. Um, they prayed and then, that word then kind of stuck out to me. Uh, um, I don't know why. It seems like a lot of times I'm kind of not allowing, um, that's the best way to say it, I'm not allowing grace for the people in their journey. And I feel like Paul allowed grace for people in their journey, thinking through this, hey, I stop daily, I pray for you, I, I make certain that I have this opportunity to pray for you. And I think that we, we don't really give uh, grace anymore. We kind of expect people to, hey, you got saved, okay, great, stop doing everything you're supposed to do. So for me, the grace and actually praying through it and actually allowing them to grow um, that then was really important to me. Um, and then kind of with uh, 112, the word enabled kind of jumped out as well. Like enabled means, I mean, it enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to God. I mean, that means God flips the switch. I don't have to flip the switch. And kind of the application piece for me, I'm kind of walking a journey with, with the young man right now that I just want to knock upside of the head a little bit. And I'm just like, I just want to, I want you to get it. I want you to understand it. And I get kind of frustrated that he's not getting it, but it's not me that's going to flip the switch. God's going to flip the switch. God's going to enable him to share it. So that's, I'm, I really want to just give him that grace and be able to allow him to journey and to really understand God, who God is for himself. And the application piece, I would say, the bigger piece for, of it for me is, Earl, have you stopped praying for him? Yeah. I believe I stopped 
praying through the process. And I believe I just expected him to get there. And I just, I don't want to have that expectation anymore. So I want to pray through that, if that's okay. Yeah, pray for it. Even right now. Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for having an expectation on your son that is not okay. Father, I'm sorry that I um, just expected him to arrive at a certain location without your grace and your love for him. I pray right now for all of us who have had that opportunity to kind of walk with someone on their journey. God, I ask that you just give us the grace for your people. It's not our grace that we're extending. It's your grace. It's your love. And we ask right now, God, that you will just allow us to help them finish the race. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I think what's so cool about this is you guys pretty much had the same verse. Yeah. I don't mean out of those six verses, but it was, it was completely different yeah. what God said to you because you're, lit, you're two different people, right? I don't know if you noticed that. And so uh, God is not a copy-paste God. She looks way better. Right? <laughs> um, and even, you know, me, so I did this the other day uh, in Colossians 1, that same, skirt, that same uh, section, and I was kind of attracted to that. But right before it talks about living holy lives, it talks about knowledge of God's will. And then you'll be able to live a holy life when you know God's will. And so God really started speaking to me about that and thinking about my own life and the times I've been most disciplined, the times I've been the, the most passionate for God is when I know what God's calling me to do, know when I'm alive. But when I'm disconnected from God's will, that's when I drift. And so what I, my application was like, God, I need to make it a regular occurrence. I actually said, you know, a handful of minutes every single morning to be like, God, why am I alive? What are you calling me to do with my life? To be reminded of God's will for my life, because then that sparks that, that hunger for hope, for holiness in my life. And then I took that and gave that to him in prayer and be like, God, you know, my own weakness, I'm not able to do this. So help me be able to remember, remind me in the mornings, you know, help me to set reminders, those sorts of things. And because I believe that that God speaks to us each uniquely, individually. And so what's really cool here is you could do this alone, or this was even kind of like with a family member or with a spouse or with a friend. Uh, Some of our small groups are starting to do this. We're doing this in staff. And so again, I just want to give this to you as a tool uh, to be able to do and study the scriptures as you move forward. This is going to be Victory's way of studying scripture. So, all right, so let's give it up for these two right here as they step off. All right, let's go ahead and bow our heads uh, in prayer. God, thank you. God, thank you that you have spoken. God, thank you that you are still speaking. And I pray, Father, that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying. God, that we would not listen to the voice of a stranger, but we would listen to the voice of our Father. And thank you for the gift of the Logos. God, it's here in the Bible that we meet you as creator and redeemer and restorer, and shepherd, and friend. It's here in the scriptures we meet the heroes who have gone before us. It's here that we receive faith from your many precious promises. It's here that we receive courage from your faithfulness in the past. It's here we receive comfort that you love us even in our weakness. It's here we receive conviction whenever we depart from your ways. It's here we receive peace that your grace covers over our sins. It's here we receive salvation because the Holy Spirit highlights the logos, the written word of God and uses this word and the power contained in this word to cause it to seep through the cracks in our hard hearts to get us to open up to Jesus. It's here that we receive hope that this world is not our final home, but our real home is in heaven where our Savior is. 
It's here that we receive joy, that Jesus is coming back for his bride. It's here we receive strength to persevere until that day. It's here we receive our mission to go into all the world and make disciples, that it should be hard to go to hell in our city. It's here that we receive your love, that you loved us so much that as a good father, you wrote love letters to us so we would never be alone. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. And right now, Father, I, I believe that there's, there's a move of God in this moment that's opening us up to say, I believe that the word of God is truth that you are who you say you are, that you will do what you say you will do. And Jesus is who he says that he is. And Jesus will do what he said he will do. So here's what I want to do. I want to offer the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, because it is written that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. And if today that your heart is opening up to that, I want to invite you to pray in the family of God. We're going to pray this together. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, you are the son of God who died for my sins on the cross so I could be free. So right now, I repent of my sins. I turn from my way to go your way. And I believe I am forgiven of my wrongs against God. I am free and restored and redeemed. I am a child of God. You are my father. Heaven is my home. I believe it. I am saved. I am born again because of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'll live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. God, right now, I thank you that it is written that there is an angelic party in heaven because of people just coming to faith in Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that it is written that you rejoice over us with shouts of joy like a good father. And it is written that you will never leave us and you'll never forsake us. So may we be people who love the word, who store up the word in our heart, who build the house of our lives upon your word. Because when the storms come and the wind and the waves come, we will still be found standing for your name and your fame and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's give God praise for everybody who just came to the Lord.